And uh, the minister there talking, of course, about uh, issues of uh, bylaw enforcement, uh, how uh, uh, the uh, enabling environment can be created, I guess, for the informal economy uh, to uh, function and uh, do so in a very orderly manner. And uh, more importantly, uh, what it means to have these counterfeit goods coming into our country and uh, the economic impact uh, of that uh, in relation to all manner of issues, employment, tax receipts, uh, and, of course, uh, the uh, growth of our economy. Going to be... uh, joined by her and uh, she joins me now on the line I should say and uh, uh, she uh, recently also uh, provided her budget vote speech and uh, those are some of the issues we're going to be touching on. Minister, good evening to you and uh, welcome to Metro FM Talk. Thank you, I want a good evening to you and your listeners. Uh, thank you so much for taking time out to join us this evening, Minister. And uh, I want us maybe just as we start and uh, we'll come back to the budget vote speech and some of the issues and initiatives that you flagged in that particular address. But let's talk briefly about, uh, of course, uh, your visit uh, to the uh, inner city yesterday, uh, coming as, as it did in the wake of uh, what happened there last week. Uh, what are some of the things that uh, you came across and that you found uh, that uh, you think will, of course, influence and inform some of uh, how you intervene as a sixth administration when it comes to small business? Uh, thank you for the question. What we found is that the unregulated environment of small businesses in the country is creating a problem for the economy of the country. Mm. Because if you see the vibrant economy that's going on in that CBD of Johannesburg, which is said to be the hub of all counterfeit uh, goods, and, and that's where they distribute from, and even whatever is succeeding in that. They, it, it is just amazing. It's just, it's just ridiculous. And they already say they lose, they've lost in December, between December and July this year, December last year and July this year, they lost 350 million rands. And I'm saying, if that 350 million rands was in the normal economy, what would be happening to our economy? Mm. But if you, the worst part is that the owners of those shops are not South African. And if you go to other countries, I can name them, Ghana, Nigeria, Ethiopia, uh, Zimbabwe, Botswana, Angola, wherever, Bangladesh, if those businesses that are trading in, they are not allowed to trade in their own countries, non-nationals. Foreign nationals are not allowed to trade in, that, in, in, that, in their countries, in those countries, but in our country they are allowed to trade. Two, you, you also go and say, who are they employing? Maybe you say they're creating jobs, but their employees are equally not South African. So who is that business benefiting? Because it means they come here to employ each other and to benefit from our economy, and we must do something, we must regulate it. That's the one part. But we met with also the, 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 the Informal Traders Association, mm. of course the South African ones. For, they're saying, Minister, you're not regulating this environment, and without you regulating, we're going to be undercut because the the prevalence of counterfeit goods, because we can't access, even when they sell the counterfeit goods, they sell predominantly to their own, and our people are not able to buy and and then sell at, at that competitive price. It, 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 it's, it's ridiculous for the economy. So those are the things that we found. And interestingly, the question was, when everybody's trading, do we know who's trading and what are they trading on? If you, and I'll have to refer you to the budget speech. We announced that we're going to do a register mm. uh, of informal in businesses because we want to know who's trading with, in what in the country and where are they located, how are they supported, sure, sure. where are they supporting these goods. Because that is critical for any economy to grow. Okay. Because I had a, I had a similar disca- counter-discussion with the brand owners who, who are responsible for Nike, Adidas, Timberland, and so forth, a number of them, to say they are representatives, to say to them, 
Yes, we, we accept that counterfeit goods are counterproductive to the economy. But why is these volumes are coming in? And if you're losing this much money, because to lose 350 million mm. within seven months, it means you are making, you are, you are making profits okay. and you're still not Mi- closing. Minister? I would say, why are you not manufacturing them mm. in South Africa? Minister, I'd like us to pause there for a second. I uh, quickly need to take a spot break. But when we come back, uh, I want us to continue just briefly on this vein of uh, how you regulate uh, the informal economy and how you uh, put measures in place, of course, to create an enabling environment for it. Least of all, I guess, uh, with the challenges that we have of uh, unemployment. And if we look at our own informal sector uh, in relation to uh, many other nations uh, on our continent, and even in the global south more broadly, many would agree that it plays a much smaller role uh, when it comes to employment and even uh, uh, you know, a contribution to output uh, than in many other comparable developing countries. But let me know what you think. Give us a ring on 089-110-3377. We take this brief break, and on the other side, we continue with the Minister of Small Business Development, uh, Kumbuzo Nchabini. 12 minutes it is now after 8 p.m. And as part of our SMME exchange on this Tuesday evening, I'm joined by the uh, Minister of Small Business Development, uh, Kumbuzon Chabeni, and uh, she joins us on the line. And uh, Minister, before we went to the break, uh, you uh, touched on, uh, I guess, the uh, important challenges uh, that we continue to see around counterfeit goods and uh, some of the uh, trading conditions of informal traders. And uh, as you indicated in your budget vote speech, that you're looking to create an index here which, uh, or even a, regist- uh, uh, a register that would allow you to uh, track who is trading where and even if they are informal. And I'm quite interested in how uh, you envisage this would work because, uh, you know, how do you incentivize people who have, in many cases, chosen to remain in the informal sector, chosen not to be under the radar of the receiver of revenue or even formalize their businesses? And and in many ways, I guess, uh, registering uh, to be part of this uh, register uh, would also play a role in, in essence, in formalizing them. Actually, the register is not meant to necessarily formalize them. It's just mm. to know where they are. But wh- what are the incentives in, in, in registering? The incentive is that we are going to put support packages for those who are on, on the register. Okay. So we're not going to be supporting people who are not on the register. Mm. We are negotiating with, uh, with uh, big uh, chains and also manufacturers of products uh, to say, can you then give us a discounted price over and above the normal discount that we have for people who are from on our register so that they can be able to be competitive out there. We have met with uh, uh, some suit manufacturers, we have met with big retailers, and we are continuing to engage and finalize agreements so that we say, if you are in this group and you are selling this, because we want to know what are you selling. Because what you are selling is also important to, to say who is manufacturing what you are selling. Because part of the other engagement is to sell. If you, as a retailer X or a big chain X or Y, you are buying these products for the South African market, are there no South African small businesses that can make these products here cheaper and you can then sell them in your, in, 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 in your, in your shelf? Because it's a route-to-market debate that we're having. Why are you importing this when we've got the capability and capacity to make them in-house? If you say it's a quality issue, what technical support can we give to, to that quality? So that discussion, all of it, it says we must... It's part of the buy local thing because mm. when you buy local, you also support your own industry. But you're saying we're going to get you better, better discounts. Yeah. We're also going to end to be more competitive. We're also going to give you better support. What are the technologies you require? Now we are moving to the fourth um, industrial re- revolution. There are companies out there that say uh, a vendor in the street corner, in the junk, in the street junction, 
we're selling cold drink. May miss an opportunity to sell me a drink because I may not have cash, but I've got a card. Mm. There are people saying we can give you a, a machine to swipe a card and you sell at, at that point. So those are the things that we want to bring in. Yeah. To make the economy very lively and very vibrant. Mm. You, you can't continue to operate in the rudimentary way. Sure. But those are the things that will incentivize our people to come in. But what's interesting is that when we met with the event, uh, with the um, informal traders associations, even the small business and SMMEs associations, they have been willing to be part of the databases that we are talking about because they're saying, are you going to trade support for us? Because, for instance, SMMEs who are doing business with, with not only with government but also with big business, sometimes private sector may be paying them, but they undercut them and they cannot go to court and, and get support because they will not, they will, it will be just too expensive for them. So they'll be sorted out. So we say, when you're in our register, we're putting an SMME ombud service, which mm. is the informal sector. So when you have a legal dispute, you don't necessarily have to go to court. You're going to come to the, uh, to the ombudsman sure. who will then resolve the dispute cheaper for everybody and it, 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 it based on facts that are out there. So there are incentives and mm. benefits of being in okay. the registers. Because we want to actively support our sure. Minister, I want us maybe to take a look here at uh, one of the strategic levers uh, that I guess uh, the sixth administration has at its disposal, and maybe many of the other, I guess, the previous administrations as well, which is uh, public procurement. And uh, you've uh, indicated in your budget vote speech that uh, you want to engage uh, the National Treasury to speak about uh, this vexing issue of the cost of tendered documents. And uh, I want to maybe, uh, I guess, expand that uh, and say, yes, that's prohibitive, but there are other uh, things as well that are prohibitive in that process, including many of the extensive paper-based kind of bid documents and bid processes that uh, people have to follow. I mean, SBD1 to SBD10 and all manner of uh, other issues here. Uh, and, uh, yes, and, and, and the question here, you know, Minister, is whether or not we can't digitize some of those things because in some cases, in order for you to, to be able to bid competitively, you, you might even have to have a friend who runs a printing company or even run one yourself. But let me just give you a classic example. You know that if you have access to CPSC, you can register a company for 250 rand. Mm. But when you don't have access, you pay 2,500. That's prohibitive for somebody who wants to register a company and trade because they don't have 2,500. Because that thing is not, it, when, even when it's, not on, when it's online, it's not online in that sense. And, they, and it goes, it's not, I'm just showing you that we are, want to tackle that. We are partnering with our, um, our sister department, the Minister of, of, um, of communications and digital economy because we are saying to her, let this fourth industrial revolution is not some fanciful idea. It's us digitizing, moving government to be online. They've now there's a government private cloud. Why can't we do things online? Already the small businesses and SMEs are operating online. They are doing a lot of things online. So we are forcing government to move there. But that discussion... We are fighting and together with the minister, Mr. Landa, Benny Abrams, for, for, for those things to move. Because we want to eliminate unnecessary rates for our people. Because the more it's accessible, that's why when we made the announcement, we say this will be available online. This will be available online. We're trying to get government to move online. And, you know, the president is very committed to the, to the fourth industrial revolution and its implications. The next relief for it to happen. So we are hoping that we'll win the battle in the not-so-distant future. Mm. Minister, the other issue, I guess, uh, of course, is around uh, the ecosystem of small business. And uh, one of the big issues that has always come up is around incubation services, where some of these sit, uh, some of which, of course, sit under the purview of some of the agencies that uh, uh, are under your department, including the... Uh, uh, I lost you. I lost you. Yes. I am around the issue of incubators, uh, Minister, some of which sit under your uh, ministry 
industry, uh, I think of uh, some of the incubators that are run under uh, the CEDA program and the interface that those incubators have with some of the incubators in the private sector and even the enterprise development uh, initiatives uh, that are in the private and in the public sector. Uh, many people have complained about the functioning of it, uh, indicating that there's massive market failures there. What is the sixth administration going to do when it comes to incubators? Uh, do we need more incubators or do we need much better alignment within the existing ones that we have? We need both. Uh, we, we need both in the sense that we need more incubators because in rural areas and townships, there are no incubators. There's mm. an assumption that there are no businesses that need to be incubated. So we need to, to have the spread right in, in the areas. And that's where the private sector will not go. That's where government goes. But we also announced measures that CEDA must change to operate uh, as a lead incubator of the country. Because the one thing, why the failures are there is because there's no standard of saying, when you are incubating, these are the results that you want to see. This is the model. These are the outcomes. So people tend to jump from one incubator to the other without it, it, it benefiting. So we are saying, at a minimum, when you are an incubator or running an incubator, there are minimum of five things you must achieve. We need to see you creating at least a minimum of, of, of 10 jobs. That means an enterprise that you incubate, when they exit the incubation period over three years or five years, they must have created at least... 10 jobs. That is 9 plus the owner, which is 10. Two, the 10 over must have more than doubled because it's there. It's possible. It's being done by some incubators, not abroad, but here in our own country. So if it's doable, why can't all of us do it? We say also, when your business that you have incubated comes out of the incubation, we don't expect it to fail immediately. They cannot be because you should have post-care support. And there cannot be an incubation program of a year or six months because that is not effective. Mm. Let's have an incubation period that is long. But also the incubation program is not, is not, is not a generic program. It's tailor-made to a business because the business of Kumbuzo in China will never be the same. When you go to an incubation program, mm. it should be able to respond to what sure. I need as, a, as an entrepreneur. Okay. And what we, what we are saying is that even... In the private sector, we are going to license the incubation because it has become a money-making okay. scheme. Minister, Minister I, want us, I, I want us to pause there because we need to go to a spot break. But when we come back, I want you to start on that vein of uh, some of the private sector incubators and how some of the people are seeing it as a money-making record. 23 minutes it is now after 8 p.m. I'm in conversation uh, for our SMME exchange on this uh, Tuesday with uh, the Minister of uh, Small Business Development, uh, Kumbuzon Chabeni. And uh, Minister, before we went to the break, you were talking about, I guess, instituting some regulations of uh, these incubators in the private sector because uh, you're seeing, I guess, uh, some uh, uh, rent-seeking behavior here and uh, some uh, people in the private sector using this as a money-making racket. Yes, people are using it as a money-making racket. They go to the private sector because you remember there's a requirement for big business to invest in corporate social investment, also to to do some SME development. They simply get somebody and give them five million rands there or twenty million rands there and say go and do incubation or supply development without even caring what happens there, as long as they've ticked the box. They some will even go abroad to other countries and raise money and say we're doing uh, mm. uh, enterprise development and whatever, whatever. And they simply tick the box to say how many people came through. You're not measuring the impact. So for us it's about the impact. If it's not making the impact it's not going to be it's not worth it for our country and you're not, that money is not worth investing and we will not allow that money to be invested there. So we are going to direct how the impact must be made because our people must meaningfully gain. We are no longer going to tick the boxes. We, are one, we want to talk to the authorities who are doing the, the BE scorecards to say we want to have an input when they rate you on SMME or BEE or supply development program to say 
majority of those people who are being measured as beneficiaries are the people who are responsible for their SMEs. We want to say, where, give us the impact that you have mm. made because people go into programs that are not meaningful. We sure. want to force the post-incubation care and support. It's also, an incubation is not incubation on its own. Mm. It's a route to market. We want to see you, as you move from the incubation program, what is the market that you have, you, you have secured through that incubation program or you have been assisted to secure through that incubation program so that you can then have a viable and sustainable sure. business. Okay, Minister, hold the line there for me for a second. I've got uh, two of our callers here would like to weigh in on our conversation. Kanya, you are in Kempton Park. Good evening to you. Uh, good evening to you, Mbatani Kunjani. Hey, tall and well. Katle Putimana Kondo, how are you? I'm the Bulelo on the way to Nigel. Minister Kunjani, good evening. Yeah, Pilar Kunjani. Very well. I've got two questions that I actually want to. Yeah, make it one, make it one, my brother, please, please. <laughs> one, okay, sure. we'll give it one. One mm. is that um, the most important is what incentive by regulating will give for small businesses or will the small business get by registering in these regulation processes? You know, there's a newspaper as also registration for that regulation because mm. it's also a form of trade. Okay. Thank you so much for that question there, Kanya, from Kempton Park. Tulani, you are in Guatemala. Good evening to you. Evening, my brother. Please go ahead. How are you, the minister? Hello, how are you? Just ask the minister if the minister is ready or prepared to make the small businesses in the country. Are they prepared to tell the Chinese people not to bring their goods here? who are not up to start. Because if the, the Chinese are continuing to okay. go within the country, who are not in good standard, and then how does it see if it grows up small businesses in the country, okay. local people? All right, I think I got that one there, Tulani, despite, of course, uh, your line being uh, rather bad. But, Minister, I think the big question there Tulani is asking there from Guatemala is, uh, uh, is the nation prepared, I guess, to confront uh, the uh, Chinese imports and uh, some of the cheap imports of uh, counterfeit goods that are coming in from uh, China as an attempt to try and, uh, I guess, level the playing field between some of those imports and our own producers here at home? The, 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 the government is prepared to confront any conditions that make it difficult for our economy to survive. It's not about any other country but South Africa. And that's why we have made the announcement. And we have not made them in response to the situation in the CBD of Johannesburg. We have made them in the budget speech already, which was the 12th of July, to say these are the things we want to do. Because we want to make sure that our economy benefits the people of South Africa and our economy grows. Mm-hmm. Minister, the, the other question, and uh, I think to some extent you, you may have answered it, but uh, uh, maybe it, uh, it bears mentioning again that uh, you know uh, many people are asking themselves if indeed we are to unlock the uh, potential of our own domestic informal economy, uh, what are some of the incentives that are in place to at least uh, incentivize people, one, to register for that database in order to receive some form of support that will uh, contribute to a vibrant and a lively informal sector? We're saying to those who are already in the business, in, in, who are operating their own businesses, your conditions of trading will be much better. One, because your government will be able to help you negotiate uh, buying prices if you are in, in that environment, will be able to negotiate route to market for your products. Your government will also be able to negotiate favorable conditions in terms of uh, municipal bylaws for you to be able to operate.
Mm. Minister, the other thing I want us to talk about, and uh, I guess it's uh, the uh, pet peeve of many small business owners, and that is the late payment cycle of uh, their invoices, uh, especially when they do work with the government. And I found quite an interesting uh, way that uh, you uh, envisage intervening here uh, in your budget vote speech, and it's around session agreements. Uh, Just briefly explain what these session agreements are and uh, the role of CIFA here alongside the National Treasury, and uh, more importantly, what it's going to mean uh, for the uh, loan book of CIFA and the prospects of survival for many small businesses who work with the government. The, okay, the session agreement is that when you are when you need support from a when you need funding from a, a financier, that financier says, "Do you have a contract?" You say, "Yes, I have a contract." They say, "Okay, fine. Your contract is to this value. We'll give you this money so that you can go and uh, work and and a profit. And then before you take your profit, we we need to take our money. So that then we there's a joint bank account that is opened, and the funder has access to the bank account as far as they have to recover the money they've invested to you." What has happened is that FIFA was not allowed to do session agreements, but FIFA has been the only lender to the uh, to the businesses that uh, that are majority in the main doing business with government. And when government has not paid those businesses, it means FIFA could not recover its money. So we said to FIFA, let's go and do session agreements. Therefore, it becomes our primary responsibility to make sure that government pays. And what, how does, how will that happen? It's because government will argue that no, you have not submitted the invoice in the right format and whatever. We say, FIFA, as part of your post-funding support, you must help these entrepreneurs to submit the relevant documentation correctly. Actually, you must be the buffer. Instead of the entrepreneur running around to find money, we must be able to go and chase the money. And when Treasury agrees on the session, we, the next step is a discussion with Treasury to say, National Treasury, this department is owing this much. For instance, let me give you, without naming and shaming, the Department of Human Settlements in provinces, the ones who built RDP houses. They have mm. not been paying some of the, uh, subcon- uh, the, the contractors, and these people go uh, uh, bankrupt. And we say, no, 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 we need to collect that money. That money is allocated in the budget. Pay it to CIFA. CIFA will then collect its part and on forward pay the entrepreneur who, who had done the business. Mm-hmm. Minister, I mean, I guess for me that's a very innovative way yeah, to ensure not only the survival of CIFA as a funding agency for, for multiple generations of entrepreneurs, but also to ensure the survival of many of uh, the enterprises themselves. Now, uh, the, uh, the other issue that uh, I guess many of us uh, would be interested in uh, relates to... Um, uh, you know, uh, uh, the role of larger businesses uh, and uh, some of the fronting practices that have been flagged by the likes of the BEE Commission insofar as uh, they uh, relate to uh, smaller businesses on the one hand. But on the other hand, there's also the big question around the reach of uh, some of the institutions and agencies here. Uh, are they able to reach uh, some of the far-flung corners and uh, many other areas in our country, the Malamuleles, the Kofimvabas, uh, the Ntuzumas of the world, or are they just, uh, I guess, only accessible within the urban core? And if so, what needs to be done about that? We, we, we want to expand the reach. And we, how we want to expand the reach is not only because we said it's a partnership between government and the private sector and any other person playing in that space as long as we play by the same rules and this regulation and this agreement of what we need to deliver and the standards of what we need to deliver on. What we, we Part of the things we want to do is the expansion of presence of the incubators, which will also serve as our offices. But we are also creating, because we believe that the fourth industrial revolution must help us 
nowadays all cell phones can do all sorts of things. I think we must be able to be accessible through all platforms, whether it's social media platforms, it should be whether through a website, whether it should be through emails, whatever mechanism there is, you should be accessible. But we're saying to the other DFIs who are within the, the government owned, we're saying if there's an IDC office where there is no CIFA office or CIDA office, why can't CIDA and CIFA have space in that office and we operate? If there's an NEF office there... Or even the post office, why can't Minister. We, yeah, exactly. When there's a hmm. post office, why can't the CIFA and CIDA services be available there? Actually, we want to advocate and we're talking to our agencies to say, because the resources are thin and we must spread them widely, where there's a CIFA, there should not be a need for a CIDA because the other should be able to assist on the responsibility of the other online without the person needing to drive a whole 200 or 400 kilometers mm. to, to go and get assistance. So for us, that is, that is the rich. But we're also challenging private sector, and we should soon be announcing some major partnerships that will be, will be implementing, and it will, which you say, if we've partnered with um, a chain X or large business X, yes. why can't our services be available in that? Like they're already doing, you go to pick and pay, you pay for your... TV license, you pay for all other things. Why can't we have also these services that support our business, our people? Why should mm. we be only be paying, collecting money, moving the money out? Why can't we be saying you can go to pick and pay, or go to Shoprite, or go to Boxer, go to uh, Jumbo Cash and Carry, and apply for this sure. thing? And because they can verify certain things, and you get your 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 approvals there, and the money is in your bank. Okay, Minister, last one here, and uh, I'll uh, give the last question to Fiddle uh, Thoughtstro here on uh, Twitter. He's got a question. And I guess it's uh, one of the industry-specific questions, but relevant nonetheless. Uh, it says, uh, we have to do training in Finland for a specialist training a course that will allow us to service one of the multinationals. It costs over 100,000 rand for the total trip and the training. And uh, how can the small business department assist small businesses like ours? And I guess it's a more gen- general question as well. Uh, with the smaller businesses that want to work with multinationals or original equipment manufacturers uh, from here at home and even across the world, uh, who might need training, who might need some form of upskilling and support. Uh, what kind of support does the ministry provide in those instances? And, and, unfortunately, not in the immediate, but interestingly, today we met with one of the multinationals and the discussion was, when you are saying you want an SMME to partner with you, they need to get training in the US or in the UK or wherever. And you know, the cost of getting there is prohibitive on its own. Why why can't your support, supply support program make sure that it can then take somebody to be trained wherever it is to be trained? Or why don't you get trained the trainer program so that you come back and train the people the, in the country? Why should you be mm. paying 100000 to travel abroad to be trained when you could be trained here? But we are also talking with our embassies. They are facilitating agreements with some of the best universities in the world on in terms of supply training sure. with agreements with OEM, so that the OEMs who are running programs, you'll find that, I'll give you an example, you'll find that University X has a partnership with a sponsorship from a, a company X, and we can use, I don't want to promote companies, you'll find me. Then that company says, we sponsor this program, you train people in our methods and whatever. We're saying our universities, and not only the former white universities, but also the former black universities must have those partnerships mm. and they must be able to train in our rural areas, in our townships for, for those programs to come in so that our people are not prohibited 
from participating in a business opportunity because they cannot access the relevant training. Mm. Minister, we'll have to leave it there. Really appreciate you taking time out to speak to us uh, this uh, evening. Once again, congratulations on your appointment. We wish you all the best uh, from us here at Metro FM Talk uh, as uh, you uh, take on uh, this uh, important undertaking. And uh, we certainly hope that uh, you'll continue to see this as a platform to communicate with the small business ecosystem. Many of the entrepreneurs uh, whose work you are uh, hoping I guess uh, to improve, uh, listen to this platform, they interact and they engage here. And uh, we thank you for your time this evening. Thank you for having us. And we'll certainly partner with you in terms of communication, communicating our message out there. Awesome stuff. That there was uh, Minister Kumbuto Nchabeni. She is the uh, Minister of Small Business Development speaking to us this evening here on Metro FM Talk.